back. Hello, hello. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. This is our first day recording back in like three weeks. Three? I think it's been three. Oh. It's the longest break we've ever taken from recording. You guys didn't feel it. We had episodes up every week, but we've, it's been a long time. A vacay. We did. We did. I think it was good because I took two weeks off of true crime altogether. Like I didn't work other than posting on social media. I did listen to a few episodes of Criminal, which I always do right before I come back from like a break of not writing because I always get so inspired by that podcast. Nice. It's so amazing, which I'm sure you guys have seen me post about on our Instagram stories. Yeah. I love it. But other than that, I took a full break. I pretty much did other than researching my latest case, mm-hmm. which was just this past week. But yeah, I needed a break after that Carly Brucia yeah. case. It was a rough couple weeks. That was weeks. a lot. Rough couple weeks here at Burden of Proof, but I'm not going to lie. Not an easy one to get through today, but I think that it's it's going to be fine. This is a good... It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to well, be fine. I mean, her name alone is... Yeah. Comic relief. So. It, exactly. And it's... There's... Honestly, there's not much else that's funny about this case, but she uh, is yeah. absurd enough. And the whole case is so abs- absurd is like the best word because you're, the whole time you're like, what is happening? Couldn't have <laughs> written this. It's pretty bonkers bananas. Yeah. Well... I'll just put a disclaimer on my own reactions. I don't know anything about the case. Like, I've seen headlines about it. But usually with the bonkers bananas cases, I am quick to laugh yeah. when I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. So please don't take offense, anybody, because it's just like that uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's when just sometimes you so, have to. When something is so over the top that it seems unreal, I can't help it. Yeah. I Yeah. And this is definitely one of them. So... The last piece of business we have is hello to all of our new listeners. We've had a big spike and we love you guys. Yes. Um, Reach out to us. Yes, please. Instagram, we love to hear Facebook. from you guys. For those, for those of us relics who are still on Facebook. Listen, we're not on threads. You're, That's true. We're, we're not, not on threads. I, I cannot keep up with another app. So, I mean, I'm on threads personally, but not for the podcast. You are? How is it? I I'm didn't only think you on would it. join because you hate Twitter. And I, I hate from- Twitter, but I like threads. I'm only okay. on it with my uh, my bookstagram account because okay. it's I like that it's more stream of consciousness for people who are reading to have like they post their just live reactions to books. And, you know, it's a little bit less formal. And I like that aspect of it because it feels like a giant book club. That's the only reason I'm on it. OK, but I do not like the layout of Twitter. I'm sorry. I've tried several times and I definitely won't be going now that it's. X. <laughs> I forgot that it's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. Sorry. I hate to be part of the Zuckerverse, but. <laughs> I hate to be part of any of it, yeah. but it is what it is. It is what it is. Okay, so let's get started. This week we're jumping into, like I said, a pretty gnarly case that actually just wrapped up in the courtroom yesterday. So we're on it. I'm ready. Okay. Lots of drama. You've probably seen it in the news and in the title of the episode, but this week I'm bringing you the case of Taylor Shabusiness. Shabusiness. Yep. Is that like a name she made up? It, yes. It is her legal name. But she made it up. Well, yeah. Her or her husband. But I don't know who. <laughs> He's He actually 
in a Facebook post has claimed that he's the one who <laughs> who granted her the name Shabiznis. Granted her. But her his name is Shabao. His last name is Shabao. And then they started saying Shabiznis. So then they legally changed it. Or just she legally. She legally changed hers. I have not found proof that his <laughs> is legally changed to Shabat to Shabiznis. But that's probably because he's been incarcerated, so he <laughs> can't, can't change it. it. Anyway. Oh, Lord. Okay. Her legal name, Taylor Shabiznis, was born as Taylor Denise Coronado and then married as Taylor Shabau. And she was all about that shmoney, all about that shabiznis. <laughs> Except, like, I don't know how you can really be all about the shmoney because the fastest way to lose all your money is meth. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway. One of the fastest ways. Correct. She changed her name legally in 2018 to Taylor Shabiznis. But let's back up because we're going to need to come back to this comic relief like a little bit later. Yeah. So we got ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay. Changing gears. Changing energy. It's about to drop really low. <laughs> okay. Okay. In the very early hours of February 23rd, 2022, a woman named Tara heard the storm door slam shut in her basement. Mm-hmm. which was strange. It really wasn't a door that should have been open in the middle of the night. And overall, she was just like, what the heck? What the F? Like, why? Yeah. So she walks downstairs to go investigate, and at the bottom of the basement stairs, she sees a bucket with a bleach-covered towel over it, like a bleach-stained towel. Now, Tara is much braver than me because she looked inside the bucket. When she removed the towel, she found in the dark hour of 3 o'clock in the morning in her basement, the head of her son, 24-year-old Shad Therion. Oh, my God. Yeah. I told you, we're, we're bringing it low. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, obviously, she runs back upstairs and tells her boyfriend her findings, and then they call the police. So, her boyfriend yeah. calls the police and says, yo. My girlfriend just found her son's head in, in a bucket in the basement. She's pretty sure. And they're like, are you sure, sure? And he's like, it's I'm, dark down there. Uh, <laughs> are you sure, sure? Uh, yeah. And I think the 911 operator even said, like, a fake head? And he was like, no, I don't think no. so. We're not in the wax museum yeah. business. Like, come um, on. So her boyfriend actually helps calm her down quite a bit. And they are both able to have an actual conversation on the phone with dispatch. Um, I mean, they were upset, but, you know, she yeah. had, I think also it was the middle of the night and she's like, what is happening? Like, this is really weird. So I'm going to play a little bit of that clip. County Public Safety, how may I help you? Um, yes, I'd like an officer at 829 Stony Brook. Um, her friend just woke me up to swear that she found her severed head of her son in the basement. Is it EY, right? Yes. No E. Just that Y. Is that a house, apartment, or duplex? It's a house. What's your phone number? What's your last name, Steve? Andrews. Okay, tell me what's happening there again. I have no clue what's happening with my girl. Swears that she's found her severed head of her son in the basement. Did you go down there? No, fuck it. I went down I can't tell what the fuck it is. I just part of my language. I'm kind of a little freaked out. Okay. Did she just wake up and say that? Yeah. And who was who, who, 
She claimed it's her son. How old is her son? 24, 20, 25. Has he been missing or? No, yeah, he was here yesterday with some chick and then now all of a sudden nobody's here. And she came up to use the restroom a couple times. And she keeps calling and calling. Now she's saying that she hears the phone down there too. Okay, is she with you right now? Yes, I won't. Yeah, she's up there. She's a little freaked out, and I don't know what to do. Okay, all right, get in line. And um, you said you went down there, correct? Yeah, and I looked at the towel, but I can't. I, I can't see very well, and I can't tell what the hell it is. So there's something in the bucket. There's something in the got. There's something in the goddamn bucket. She ran up again. I, I, I don't know what the hell, man. Do you think she's hallucinating, or do you think that... I don't think so. I went down there. Dump in the damn bucket. <laughs> I, mean, I can't... I, I don't know, man. She's a little freaked out and kind of freaking me out. Okay, so it's a really long call, but that way you can kind of hear their own shock and disbelief as well. Like, that's... He was like, I don't know what the hell it is. Like, it's something, though. Yeah. Yeah. The police obviously dispatch, and throughout the rest of that call, they actually figure out that the last person to sh see Shad alive was his friend Taylor Shabiznis. Now, they hadn't actually seen or put eyes on Shad, except for a few days earlier, when Taylor first came to pick him up from the property. And they saw her van there, or a van that was associated with Taylor at the property for the last few days. They had heard Shad's voice in the basement, and they had seen Taylor come up to use the bathroom. There's a shower in the basement, there, but there wasn't a toilet, which sounds weird, but my house has the same thing in one of our, like, quote, bathrooms. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. just an unfinished bathroom. There's no toilet. There's just a shower. Yeah. No, but both uh, family members of mine in Ohio had... That was a common thing. Yeah. Especially in older houses, like, to have just a shower stall or Something yeah, where there would be the a bathroom if they had finished it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so she had come upstairs to use the bathroom a few times. But from what I can gather, he didn't technically live at the home. He would stop by there sometimes to see his family, grab some food. He was mostly staying in the basement. I don't really want to get into his family dynamics simply because there's just not a ton of information at this point. And I also don't feel like I feel like what I have said is pretty much speculation as to like if he was living there or not they haven't really clarified and it's not technically relevant so yeah there's just unfortunately not a ton about shad's personal life right now which is horrible but it's the truth yeah so because they knew that taylor was the last person that they had seen with shad they dispatched officers to her residence we're going to come back to that because it's happening in tandem. It's hap everything's going to be happening at the same time. So we're going to start in one and then I'm going to tell you what happens at the other. Okay. Okay. But Shad's mom's house, the officers arrive on a very snowy night in Green Bay. This is all in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. They begin talking with Tara and her boyfriend. She tells them that the bucket they mentioned on the phone was at the bottom of the stairs on the right side of the staircase. And one of the officers begins to make his way down there. Now, at this point, Tara had turned on the lights for the officers downstairs, but from what I heard in the phone call, they hadn't turned the lights on when they went down to look. Like, I'm wondering if she maybe she was using her phone flashlight or something, 
Remember yeah. the boyfriend saying, it's dark down there. I don't know what the hell it is, but there's something in the bucket and it's freaking me out. Yeah. That would be my reaction. The minute anything goes wrong, I would be like, nope, I'm going upstairs. I'm calling a professional to come deal with this. So I don't think that that's weird if they didn't turn the lights on personally. Yeah, I don't know what I would do in that case. Now, I don't think there's any way I would be going down into a basement without the lights on. I mean, but if it's your house, yeah, like, and you're not a paranoid person, then I think, especially because she was going to investigate an odd noise happening, like you said, the door slammed or something. Yeah. I think I would be turning lights on because I don't want anybody, like, if there's somebody in my house, I don't, I mean, I mean, it was just a storm door though. So she may have wondering, like, oh, he didn't leave it locked. It's just popping open. That's true. So I don't know. But anyway, my point was, I don't think it was weird that they didn't. I personally, I don't think it was weird that they didn't turn the light on. I don't think that it's weird either way because I don't, I think everybody's would handle it differently. Yeah. Anyway, it's much brighter down there now. The officer is making their way downstairs and they have flashlights. More importantly, though, they also had body cam footage, which is available. Oh. It would later be played in court, and I'm going to just describe what I saw as I watched the body cam footage. The first officer that goes downstairs pulls the towel off the bucket, which was like a five-gallon black Home Depot bucket, essentially. I don't know if it was from Home Depot, but that style bucket. Yeah. And... It doesn't show it in the video because his, I mean, your body cam is like up on your chest and yeah. he was looking with his head. So it's, you know. Yeah. Um, but he does, based on his silence. He doesn't point his cleavage towards. <laughs> he, he doesn't like push his boobs together and lean <laughs> to show you. To lean in to get the shot. Yeah. But he does go completely silent and yeah. does a double take with his flashlight. Like, and then I think at one point he goes, damn. <laughs> like. It's, oh. yeah. And during what I was watching this, I, I caught this moment between these two young officers. They're not, I mean, I don't know how long they've been as police officers, but they're younger and they're not like, you know, older officers. Yeah. And you kind of catch them looking at each other like, oh, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm not saying that to say that they were untrained or anything. I think it's the exact opposite. Like they took 10 seconds between each other to be like, Okay, well, we have a situation, and we got to figure out what's next. Yeah, like, I mean, no matter how trained you are, you need your brain needs time yeah, to process what exactly. you just found. I think that they handled it very professionally, especially with Tara and her boyfriend. And considering the human sense of like, bro, there's a head in this bucket. Yeah, <laughs> like they they handled it really well. I was like, you know, you're very calm for somebody who just found a head. Like, I'm, I'm props to you, but anyway. They did a security sweep of the house and called for backup. And I think this kind of speaks to why this case is really viral because of everything that happens later as well. It's absurd and there's a lot of really distinctly human elements of surprise in this case Mm -hmm. where every time that something happens, you are shocked, which means that it's great for the media. Yeah, Um, of course. But it's also just it was really interesting to me to watch everybody's reactions as things are happening, like the people who are in the moment, because they're all like so floored. It's just, I don't know. I was really struck by the humanity of everybody involved other than Taylor. Yeah. Which is terrifying in its own right. Shabusiness gonna do. <laughs> what business gonna do? Oh my God, that's perfect timing. 
Perfect. Anyway. In tandem, we have the officers at Taylor's residence. Again, with body cam footage that we get to watch. I love it. <laughs> oh, boy. There are three officers at the very least, maybe four. It's hard to count on this scene. And the first thing that they notice is the minivan that has been mentioned to be at Shad's mother's home. Come to find out, it's not even Taylor's van. It's this guy that she's staying with's van. <laughs> Which we've talked about before, but that absolutely sucks for this roommate because, like, now he doesn't have a van. <laughs> like, that sucks because yeah. it's now a crime scene. Anyway. They spot some blood and some bloody footprints in the snow, like an episode of Nancy Drew. <laughs> okay. On their way to the front door of the apartment. And as they're approaching the front door, they notice some movement and then Taylor comes out. And now these officers were very on edge because, I mean, the 911 call said something about a head and then you see blood on the ground. Yeah. And shout out to the officer that saw the blood because it was just like drops, but it was enough to be like, that's blood. Yeah. So... Taylor comes out in black sweatpants, a black hoodie, and a black Green Bay Packers snapback that is embroidered. And I'll let you guess what is embroidered on the side. Cha business. Cha business. Know who I am. This is cha business. And she also had blood on all of her clothes and on her hands. They were literally catching what? her red-handed. What? <laughs> yeah. How, I mean, I know everything's happening in tandem, but, like, your girl didn't even stop to wash her hands? That door slam, man. Oh, my God. That door slam was them hearing her leave. Yeah, no, I, f I yeah. assumed, but, like. Nah, she hadn't even stopped, like, to clean herself up, I guess. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. They immediately cuff her and sweep her apartment. Her poor roommates. You can hear them going, like, come out with your hands up. Come out with your hands up. And they're just sitting there trying to watch TV. Like, I feel so bad. She doesn't even live here. She's just staying with them from what I could understand oh from God. her interrogation. Like, And they didn't notice that she was covered in She blood. was wearing black. So they only, the officers only noticed because they were looking for it. Yeah. Like, if she had just come in, they like, you may not have noticed. Yeah. Wow. And it was just like kind of when I say on her hands, it was just kind of smeared. And then she had like a cut on her thumb. So if they weren't looking at her, they would have thought, oh, that it's from the cut, cut on your thumb. Yeah. But they were like, how'd you get that cut on your thumb? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Shabizness. Yeah. What was I'm your shabizness at People the residence? Be <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be so sick of hearing the word shabizness. I don't by know the if you could ever be tired of hearing the word shabizness. Yeah. Anyway, they take her to the station. They change her clothes because obviously those are evidence. And they put her in this paper jumpsuit thing. And they stick her in an interrogation room where she then begins to complain about her paper jumpsuit. Because according to her, never in her life would she have chosen to wear that. <laughs> well. Have you ever like had the option to wear a paper jumpsuit? Or is it just it's just what they, you have to do? Did they offer... Should we embroider shabizness on it? Will <laughs> that make it better? Maybe they gave her a sharpie and wrote shabizness <laughs> on it. Then it's okay. Yeah. Okay. So, gotta cool it on the shabizness. <laughs> I know. It's about to get real. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or we need to crank the shabizness up. It's one of the two. Uh, okay. Well, move on and I'll decide. <laughs> okay. I hope it's the latter. 
They read her her rights, and this interrogation is honestly like nothing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we've had the podcast almost a year at this point. It's late July. We started the podcast September 1st. Yes. Of last year. I have never in my life seen an interrogation like this. And we've seen some good ones. Yeah. But this one, I'm not sure if his title, but he did a great job. Or his name. But I, I don't know what his position was, but he did a great job. He starts by telling her that they had been to Shad's house and that they had found his head. And she literally said, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> and the officer was like, yeah, on that we agree. <laughs> like, messed up. You are correct. Yeah. And then I promise you all he does is like say one sentence, rephrase his first sentence. And then there it is. Like, oh, God. He just says like, oh, whose van were you driving and are you living there? She says, yeah, it's my it's my friend's van i'm staying there whatever blah 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 blah. and he goes well they found part of shad there they found his head where's the rest of his body and he goes she goes it's there <laughs> at what? one point she like tries to say like oh well it's hard to tell you what happened because he asked he says so just tell me what happened and she's like well it's hard to tell you because i blacked out but and then she keeps talking and then she'd like pretend to think for a minute and then she'd give more information i, I have no words <laughs> i yeah Sha business. This is this is her side of the story. So Shad was her ex-boyfriend. They had dated for a little over two years in high school. They were in the 2016 graduating class, but I don't think that either one of them actually graduated. She had gone over to his house two days prior, picked him up. She tells the officers that they were smoking the bitch <laughs> at their friend Scott's house. And then that, I'm old. It's mess. Yeah. It's ice. And and they say, well, what is the bitch? <laughs> is that what <laughs> exactly. you say? Because she said it like, she's like leaning in the chair. She's like, yeah, I mean, we were smoking the bitch. Like she says it like it's so cool. And the officer's like, what is that? And she goes, ice. <laughs> and then one of them goes, methamphetamine? <laughs> yeah. Like, she thinks Methamphetamine just doesn't have the same ring. As, like ice or the bitch. <laughs> the bitch. The bitch. <laughs> I was minding my business. Smoking, <laughs> smoking the, the bitch. bitch. <laughs> so they they were at their friend Scott's smoking the bitch. And then they go back to Shad's mom's house where she doesn't admit this, but we know this on the back end, that she had shot herself up and Shad with Trastone. Oh, okay. And then they began to have sex or to do foreplay to have sex, which I guess was normal for them. This isn't the first time that they hooked up, for sure. And it was also normal for them to include choking or strangulation during sex. According to Taylor, Shad pulled out chains, is what she called it, but come to find out it's just like a dog choke collar. Okay. And she said that he was laying face down on the bed and she was straddling him. And she started pulling the chain to choke him. And then she just kept going. Yep. Just kept going. So I'm going to swap over and read from the criminal complaint rather than say this from her interrogation because it's, you know, interrogations are choppy. They go back and forth a lot to make sure that they're not missing things or that they're not leaving things out. And they also go back and forth with. Well, it's also a psychological. Exactly. It's a a strategy. So I'm just going to read from. Their final statement, which was the criminal complaint at the start of the trial. 
Yeah. State of Wisconsin versus Taylor business. I can't. I just can't believe they let her do that. Like They don't care. Somebody should say no. Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Yeah. We did learn. And Mike Crap Bag. <laughs> this is my husband. Crap Bag. Crap. So... I'm going to read this. It's the if you're looking at the page, if you're looking at the document, it's the fifth page, the second to last par- la- second to last paragraph. She says, Shabiznis described she and the victim were in the basement and that the victim produced two chains, one for him and one for her. Shabiznis des- described the chains at the time as being chain link and silver. Shabiznis would later describe the chains as being like a dog choke collar. Shabiznis stated that she just went <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Why do they, they just keep usually, usually they most court documents will say defendant. Yeah, they just say her name the whole time. I'm willing to bet that it's just on this one. They were like, we're gonna say she business. Some legal assistant was like, I can't believe this is her fucking name. We're not gonna leave yeah. it boring. Defendant. No, why? It's defendant. It's so boring. She business. Is like insane. Uh, okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. That's fine. <laughs> Shabiznis stated that she just went crazy, referring to the strangling of the victim. At one point during the interview, Shabiznis stated that she could feel the victim's heart beating still as she was choking him. So she kept pulling and choking him harder, but the victim would not die, and that he just kept, quote, rebuilding into muscle, end quote. Detective Graf asked, at what point did she know that the victim was not alive anymore? Shabiznis stated that the victim's face turned purple, blood was coming out of his mouth, but she did not stop. Detective Graf asked what she did after the victim died. Shabiznis stated that she had then played with his body. Shabiznis stated that she sucked the victim's penis and that she had a dildo that she put in the victim's mouth and then in the victim's, quote, ass. Detective Graf asked Shabiznis if she was choking the victim if he tried to fight back at all. Shabiznis stated that he did. What? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So we know in hindsight that she assaulted his body for like up to two hours after he passed away. Yeah. That's why I had to read it from the document because if I had to type that out and then read it, I would have lost my crap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So they don't know this at this point in the interrogation. I'm just telling you because I genuinely could not have made myself type it out that way. Yeah. But the interrogator who I now know, now that I'm putting two and two together on on the air, is that Detective Graf is who's interrogating her. Yes. Um, but he asks all the questions in a bunch of weird orders, which is annoying to walk back, like watch back, but it's effective in the moment. Yes. And when they're discussing the events pretty early on, I mean, it's an hour and a half long investi- interrogation. And like at the... 15, 18, 20 minute mark, this is where this happens. Like, it's pretty quick. Yeah. They're discussing the events. They're talking about finding his head and what happened that day. And just Taylor out of the blue says, damn, the head. I can't believe I left the head. Uh. Up until that point, the only thing she had said that was incriminating was that, like, they had asked where the rest of the body was. And she said, it's there. And then she kind of followed it up with, like, I mean, unless it walked away, like, I don't know where else it could have gone. Like, she was trying to pull that back. But then, like, three minutes later, she's like, I can't believe I left the head. <laughs> oh, my God. This time, when they asked where the rest of the body was, she said the body was there. And then she dropped her voice and said she liked it. 
She like went like, I liked it. Which was random because she's referring to choking him. She's saying she likes killing him. Yeah. And then she said, well, you're going to have fun looking for all the organs. They're all dismembered. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And they were because when they this is really, really, really graphic and I'm really sorry. When they moved his head in the bucket, his penis was also in there and like other organs and crap like blood. It was horrific. She told investigators that she left the body in bins and bags that she had found in the home around in the basement and that she had used the bucket to catch the head as she decapitated it on the bed. Like, uh, what's that? The guillotine? It's like guillotine set where they put a basket. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. She used bags for all the blood as she was dismembering him and washed everything down that shower drain. She said she had planned to take the whole body with her, but then she got lazy and left some of it in the head. She actually left most of it there. For somebody who originally claimed that she had blacked out, she knew a lot of details about this crime scene. And she had also tried to clean up the crime scene a lot. Like, when they first got there, they didn't see a whole lot of blood. Yeah. They saw, I mean, enough to be concerning behind the bed and stuff like that. But to be dismembering a body... And they're not to be like she had cleaned up when asked how she had dismembered the body. She said she used utensils from Terrace Kitchen and that the bread knife worked the best because it was serrated. Oh, God. Yeah. She said she had spent all of Tuesday during the day and through the early hours of Wednesday morning dismembering the body. I'm pretty sure that's the timeline. It's kind of wacky. Sorry if I'm wrong. All that matters is that she spent an entire day and most of a night like 36 hours ish doing this and i can't believe like that's wild Mm -hmm. that you would have the gumption to just casually do this in somebody else's home like Mm -hmm. knowing that his mom is right upstairs at at least for some of those hours at least for some of it holy crap She mentioned that she distinctly thought about whether or not this was right, but then she, quote, did it anyway, which is important later down the road. Of course. Mm -hmm. They started asking her for, like, where things were, where where certain body parts were, and she said that eventually, eventually she let out that in the van they would find, like, quote, a foot. I think it's a leg, maybe. Like, she didn't even remember. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's terrifying. A medical examiner began to look at everything, obviously, and he did find some parts of Shad in the van. And this is where I want to clarify some things that the media keeps getting wrong, especially at the beginning of this case. People kept saying that she, like, loved Jeffrey Dahmer, and I don't know if that's true or not, but they kept saying that she had part of his body in a crock pot inside her home as if she was going to consume it. This is not true. She had parts of his body in a crockpot box, like just an empty cardboard box that she was using to transportation for for transportation. That is where this like leg foot situation was. Gotcha. Her interrogation was very clearly a confession at this point. So let's get into the aftermath. It I know was shocking to hear. So we're going to do a little palate cleanser and talk a little bit about Taylor and her husband. Outside of this. Now, is she still married? Yes, ma'am. I mean, I know he's in prison. Yes, ma'am. 
So she's still married, but she has all these boyfriends and hookups. At least Shad, yes. I mean, I know that probably sounds stupid that like she's done this horrific thing and I'm no, but I had the I'm same, questioning yeah. her morals on cheating on well, her husband. Well, it's not when you realize that she's posted all this stuff about, like, her loyalty to her husband and, like, uh, they have a son together. She's a mother. Like, uh, he doesn't live with her. I don't think she has custody of her son. He lives with, her, with his not. grandparents for sure. But, yeah, they have a son named Mateo. Please tell me he took the father's name and not show business. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, he probably is going to change his whole name. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. He lives to with his Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or Shanunya business. <laughs> Shanunya. Um, I don't know, but yeah. In her her like bio, I don't remember what it says now, and I should have written it down. Her Facebook bio was like Warren Shabusiness Mateo, and then like. All about the money, all about the grinds, like money emojis, like that kind of thing. <laughs> but you're staying, you have, you're basically homeless. You're staying. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just find it comical that people who yeah. clearly have nothing put stuff she said like at that one point, on social media. She said at one point during the interview that like when they left Scott's, she was trying to go find crack. Yeah. And they never got any. So anyway. Taylor was 24 years old, the same age as Shad, and she's married to Warren Shabusiness. He was currently serving jail time on a meth charge, a possession charge, um, but his release date was soon. It's actually in 2024, so it's next year, but like, you know, in all the grand scheme of things, pretty soon. Like I mentioned, they had a son who's living with his grandparents. Um, I'm not sure if either one of them have custody, like legally, but I know he, he lives with his grandparents. Regarding his wife's arrest, Warren wrote the following on Facebook, and I'm going to read it, quote for quote, like verbatim. I'm not going to change it, even though it should be written differently. <laughs> I just I want you to know this is going to be really difficult for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for me. Okay, this is on February 25th. They got caught. She got caught on the 23rd. So mm -hmm. happened very fast. My wife might be locked up for a long time, slash, if not life. But what the world slash community don't understand is my release date is soon, dot, dot, dot. Either way, my prayers go white out to my wife, Taylor Shabusiness. She needs help mentally. Brown County Jail and the Brown County, Brown, yeah, Brown County Circuit Courts are failing at understanding this, nor do they even care. Yes, what she is being accused of is serious, but this doesn't change the fact that she has still has rights and she still has family slash people that love her no matter what her situation might be. Hopefully, the court slash jail will uh, will realize she needs help. People like to be nosy. I get that. Nosy is spelled wrong. People judge. I get that too. It's what this world does and will continue to do. Either way, I stand behind my wife and I will forever stand behind her forever. I know what she's being accused of is not who she is. Not only has her addiction played a big role, but so does her mental background as well as postpartum depression. I just want my wife to get help, professional help, because it's what she deserves. Like I said, my prayers go out to my wife. I love her more than anything in this world, and that this will never change no matter what. That was really hard to read because there's no punctuation. His prayers go out to I, her. I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, ugh, I'm having, I don't know. I don't know. He brings up her mental health issues. Yes, so we're going to talk about that next. Which is important. Yes. 
We're going to talk about that next. And it's not that what he's saying isn't true, that she needs help. This is clearly not, Mm -hmm. you know, you're clearly not sane. Oh, but but she is. (laughs) But there's legally sane and then there's sane sane. You know, we've discussed that a million times. So I just don't. Dude, you're very forgiving. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. forgiving. Either that or you've done just as. Ding, ding, ding. Messed up of stuff. You found it. That's it right there. You just don't. Yeah. Oh, my God. The only reason that I know that it's the second thing, it's that he's done stuff in the past. Yeah. Is because Taylor posted on her Facebook a while ago something about like, like all before this happened. About like you had my loyalty and you lost it and that's a mistake and blah you'll never earn that back and blah blah blah. But then she's still loyal to him because they're married still. But she's not because she's having affairs. I don't know. But you're right. It's an equally toxic relationship on both sides yes. from what we can gather. Yeah. So he brought up her mental health issues. I'd like to talk about those next, along with a little bit about her childhood, but not a whole lot. Okay. Taylor was moved around a few times as a kid and eventually moved to Texas, where she was placed with her maternal grandparents. They got her treatment for some behavior issues that were popping up at school, and this is where we start to see her bipolar diagnosis start to come up. During one of her competency hearings, her attorney brought up that her mother had died from cirrhosis and alcoholism in 2009, and her brother AJ was killed in a motorcycle accident in July of 2022. You're doing the math. July is after February. (laughs) So he brings that up to refer to her competency to stand trial, not her competency during the crime. Mm, Gotcha. Not to mention she had started using hard drugs when she met her husband, Warren. From all accounts, that is when she got hooked on meth. Now, I don't obviously know for sure, but that is what people say. Regardless of all this information, none of this will help her criminal trial when she's already admitted to everything. And just to put it point blank, being on drugs is a choice. I mean, addiction is an issue. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in the eyes of the law, like you can't be judged as criminally insane because you were on drugs because that was, a you know, you chose to be intoxicated. That's how the law views it. Now, addiction is completely separate. Addiction is is a disease. It's a it's a sickness that you have a whole other, you know, beast to cure. But I'm saying in a criminal trial, saying, oh, well, I was on drugs or, oh, I was drinking when I was driving and I didn't mean to kill this person. You still, it was still vehicular manslaughter because you were drinking and driving. So, yes, that sounded really harsh when I said it. So I want to just clarify, like, that's not how I feel about addiction. Talking from legal standpoint. From a legal standpoint, she can't just go to the stand and say, well, I was on meth. Yeah. I didn't mean it. Because that's not what how it works. Which it is a very tricky thing because yeah, on exactly. one hand, we need systems in place to help people. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if you start, I mean, and this is kind of a personal opinion of mine, but on the other hand, if you start relaxing the laws because every, everybody yeah. says, well, I did it, but I was high, right? It then makes it excusable. Then it's even more likely do you know what i mean like there's no disincentive it's a tricky line and we acknowledge that it's a it's a gray area i just wanted to say it so that you know in the eyes of the law that that is not a viable reason for insanity yeah so you can't use that in your insanity defense they're not going to be using her addiction they're going to be using her other diagnoses which i believe was bipolar 
So that's why that's not going to come up in the defense because it doesn't it's not relevant to her case. And I have to say, because my next case that we're going to record mm-hmm. has a similar yeah. theme to it. And I was thinking about this topic as I was researching mm-hmm. that as well, because that's very tricky. How do you prove either way? Was it their mental health that caused them to, yeah. to do this or was it just the drugs truthfully it's a combination yeah but then you have two sides one arguing that they're not legally sane and one arguing that well no they are and i don't think that anybody can prove anything either way so that's why we just stick with the strictness of no that's not a exactly yeah there has to i mean we have to have some sort of statutory laws in place and and a lot of the law is gray area yeah a lot of it is up for interpretation but the whole point is like Especially when you see her behavior. This is rough. This is, I mean, this is way worse than my, the case oh, really? we'll record later. Like, this is, yeah. yeah. Um, And, like, I, I'm probably going to show you a clip of her, like, just being in court. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, she has, she's just no remorse at all. And it's definitely, yeah. it's, de- I mean, some people saying that she, like idolized Jeffrey Dahmer. I like I said, I don't know any of truth to that, but based on her behavior, I would not be shocked. Yeah. So anyway, she's already admitted to everything. So we're moving into her trial portion of things. Yes. This is happening, like I said, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and she's assigned a public defender. Side note: if you hadn't remembered this case from the news before, you're about to. Okay. Her public defender has quite the uphill battle, obviously. And they began to write in the insanity defense, which I'm going to refer to as NGI, which is not guilty by reason of insanity. It's just easier to just say NGI. And when you are going with an NGI defense, the next step is competency hearings um, to try and either get your trial pushed back or to say that she's not competent to stand trial. Yes. um, That she doesn't. and, And when we say competent to stand trial, the rule is you have to understand what you're being charged with and you have to be able to aid in your own defense. It's a pretty low bar. Yeah, it really is. Um, So they have several hearings about that. Now, most, if not all of the doctors, I think all but one that evaluated Taylor said that she was competent to stand trial. Because despite everything that we've talked about, despite the heinousness of this crime, she is competent to stand trial. She said very clearly in her interrogation that she knew what she was doing was wrong and she chose to do it anyway. And in the same sense, she also cleaned up the crime scene and covered it up. And people yes, who don't. Which indicates. It yeah. is a very big indicator to juries that she knew it was wrong. If you didn't know it was wrong, you wouldn't cover it up kind of thing. Can I also just say as somebody that has a lot of like personal experience with bipolar mm-hmm. behavior in particular, when they're manic, like if she was in the middle of a manic episode when she did mm-hmm. that, plus she's taking drugs. Mm-hmm. absolutely they know that what they're doing is wrong but they have like a the way that it's always been described to me is, is there's like a disconnection from reality mm-hmm. so like they know they're doing it they know they they're aware mm-hmm. they know it's wrong but they have this like overwhelming impulse to still do it yeah because and maybe that's what she meant when she said she was blacked out is that really she was just disassociating from yes. that probably um, but yeah, no, it makes total sense. Yeah. But in which case, 
doesn't fall under legal sanity because all that means is you knew right from wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And at that point, she's a danger because she knew it was wrong and she didn't have the control to, yes. to stop doing that. And so, therefore, she's guilty. I mean, that's that's how it works when you're looking yeah. at, you know, mental health issues in the law. You know, sometimes people are like, well, they they only did it because they have this condition. Yes, but they're still a danger. Yes. And that's the whole point. So, anyway, this is a really good example of that. I'm glad you brought that up. There's something like five competency hearings for extensions or this, that, or the other. But the main one that people talk about is it was one of the the last ones. And the judge ruled reluctantly that they were allowed to push back the date of the trial further because the defendant's doctors had not had a chance to finish their evaluation. Okay. The ruling was in her favor. Yeah. When the verdict is read, Taylor lunges at her attorney and attacks him with her elbow because her hands are chained at her waist. The bailiff gets the courtroom cleared, her restrained and escorted out, and about 10 minutes later, the attorney announces that he's going to be pushing for a withdrawal of this case. Like, to to withdraw as the public defender. I personally think that she knew she was going to be found competent to stand trial and that she wanted doubt in the mind of the public of this because this is all being telephoned. I mean, it's streamed on Law & Order, whatever the website, the YouTube channel is. Yeah. You know. So she pulled a stunt. I have no evidence of this, but this is my opinion. Yeah. Sounds like a plausible one. Yeah. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the trial. Taylor pled not guilty, which I know is shocking to a lot of people, but there is a reason. Special shout out to the Emily Show, who did a great job explaining why. In Wisconsin, they have a two-phase NGI trial. Phase one is to establish if she was guilty or not guilty. Mm-hmm. And phase two is to evaluate her mental state and then do the penalty phase Yes, based on the phase two evaluation. Yes. It is my understanding that if they found her not guilty by reason of insanity, this phase would include the penalty portion where they would discuss what the penalty would be because of her mental state. Right. If they find her guilty, she will then go through the statutory sentencing There's not going to be much more of a phase two after that point if she's guilty and they disregard the insanity plea because then they're just treating it like a normal sentencing and it goes by statute and judge ruling. It would be a moot point anyway. In her case, it would be a mandatory life sentence based on her charges. Yes. Unfortunately, there isn't a way around the whole guilty, not guilty section of the trial if you're going with an NGI plea. You have to go in through the whole thing as not guilty. So the defense team starts off with the whole like opening argument of like, keep an open mind because, I mean, A, what else can they really say? (laughs) Uh, They know that the jury is about to watch her confession tapes. And B, they need to keep that in mind so that if they do find her insane, the sentencing portion goes smoother. So that she can maybe get a lighter sentence if they do believe that she's insane. So they're really, it's not a question of guilt. It's a question of did she know, you know know what I'm saying? Yes. But she has to plead not guilty for that to work. Yeah. So don't be shocked when I say that she pled not guilty. I hope that makes sense. Yes. Another thing that Emily said on the Emily show that I agree with is that the prosecution did a really good job in opening statements and pretty much throughout the whole case of remaining neutral 
And I think they were able to do that because the facts of the case are so shocking on their own. You don't yeah. need to sensationalize it for any gain. Like, yeah, it is what it is. The case essentially wrote itself. It, Yeah, literally. So during the trial, the body cam footage is shown. Officers testify. And the whole time, Taylor is smirking and looking quite pleased with herself. She even laughs out loud at one point. Her defense attorney was arguing about allowing photographs of Shad's remains to be viewed by the jury, which he actually does very respectfully. Like, he acknowledges that it's a, it's a weird ask because, you know, of the whole situation. And the judge is like, I mean, I understand that you have to ask, but, like, if I said no, then we'd have to, like, not include everything else, and that's not fair. I mean, general evidence admission rules. Yeah. And when the judge denies it, she starts laughing. I'm going to show you I'm that like clip. Giving. I'm going to show you the clip. Giving side eye. I'm going to show yeah. you the clip. They can't see it. It's going to be linked and I'll probably post it as well. It's just kind of, in my opinion, sort of highly unusual that this picture, you know, of the deceased would be presented to the jury when the doctor could easily testify about, you know, the cause and manner of death. The picture isn't going to really add too much. In, in my opinion, but I totally respect the court's ruling. I just want to make sure I made all my arguments to the court. Sure. Um, and, and I understand that. Um, photographs can be helpful to, to juries in understanding what witnesses are testifying to. For example, I think that argument could be made probably regarding every single photograph that's been entered into evidence, and that is, well, we can tell you what it looked like, and so you don't need to see a picture of it. But photos can be helpful. They, they can. Um, and, and so... I understand that uh, that argument. Um, the doctor could just simply describe everything, but the question is, is this going to be helpful to the jury, um, and will the uh, prejudicial effect outweigh the probative value? I don't think so. I, I, I do think it will be helpful to the jury, and so for those reasons, I'm going to, uh, to allow it to be admitted. So that's the... It's that sort of behavior in court that really solidifies. You can't really hear her laugh on the clip but like she just looks evil yeah yeah like i said i'm not planning on like playing that one for and how old is she that's my next line she's 25 i mean bipolar and drugs have not been kind to her because she yeah. i would guess that she's at least in her mid to late 30s yeah i mean also like generally what i see when i'm researching is people when they go to jail man it ages yeah. you yeah that's like my number one reason not to go to jail <laughs> like <laughs> your skin gets really like loose and sallow and it just doesn't work like, she just has no color, and neither did Lori Vallow when she came out of, you know, for her trial and stuff. She just looked horrendous. I'm sorry. You know. That's my number one reason. That That's... <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously don't do bad things, but... So, anyway, well, I'm going to post that like, video on our social media probably Friday, day after the case comes out, so you can head back over there and watch that. I'll make you go back. So, as of Friday, July 28th, Taylor was convicted on all counts, including the sexual assault of Shad's body, and the jury rejected her insanity defense. Remember, yeah. the, the basics of the insanity defense is that a person knows right from wrong. She knew it was wrong. She, did, she said she thought about it. She did it anyway. She cleaned up the crime scene deliberately after that. And, you know, no, no one is denying that she clearly has some serious mental health issues. 
um, but not any of them would lead to her being found not responsible criminally for Shad's death. And that's really the question. Yeah. Shad's obituary reads, quote, Shad enjoyed camping and games and spending time with his family. He was a very kind and compassionate person who often thought of others before himself. A talented artist, he also enjoyed wood carving. Shad is survived by his mother, Tara, father, Michael, sister, Ava, sister, Sevilla, brother, Beau, grandparents, Becky and Steve, grandfather, David, grandmother, Elaine, and many aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, and friends. And I cut out their last names just for privacy, but yeah. It's a hard case, um, but I thought that you guys would, you know, enjoy learning about the two-phase NGI trial and, you know, all the shabusiness of it all. The shabusiness. The shabusiness. Wow. Yeah. I have no words. That is... Gary, so did they say where she's gonna be no. serving time? They haven't done her um her actual penalty phase because gotcha. it's not gonna go into the same like I said, if with the two phase penalty trial, if they had determined her to be insane or not guilty by insanity, then they would have gone into a, a penalty phase. Right, right, right. Because they found her guilty and rejected her insanity defense. It pretty much goes from from my understanding. I don't live in Wisconsin. I don't know any attorneys that practice in Wisconsin. I just this is what we're not attorneys. No, we are not attorneys. It's probably time we say that again. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, it now goes into basically like judicial statutory sentencing, which yes. for her is a mandatory life sentence. All that's going to be happening at her sentencing hearing in September, late September, is that the judge could set a parole date i don't mm. know if that will happen i seriously doubt it i i foresee that judge getting a lot of flack if he does yeah honestly i agree so i just wondered if she's gonna go to a facility that is like yeah a little more focused on mental health versus just lock her up i don't know because that would have been determined in phase two yeah so i don't know Interesting. The judge shall, shall decide in September. Well, you'll have to update us. I'm sure I will. I don't know if it'll be an update on the pod or if it'll be an update that I post to... We have a highlights tab on our Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I'll post it on their story and then I'll tag it in that highlight section. So if you're listening to this and it's like after September, I think 28th is the sentencing hearing, it should be in that highlights tab if you've missed it. All right. Well, thanks for sharing all the grossness. Thanks for sticking through the grossness with me. I don't normally bring the grossness, but no, yeah, that's pretty gory for you. Yeah, it was pretty gory. I don't, I don't know. I was, in, I was in a mood. I could handle it. Here we are. All right, shabusiness, shabusiness. <laughs> it's our new sign off. <laughs> no, I feel like that's. I don't want to glorify that at all. It's just like no. I can't believe anybody it's lets you just change your name to whatever you want. And she hey. had it, like, embroidered on crap. Hey. Now she'll have a jumpsuit with it embroidered. Yeah, because it's her legal name. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane <laughs> to me. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I'm Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. <laughs> and I'm Crapback. <laughs> and this has been Burden of Proof. <laughs> if you get all the way to this part of the episode, um, go leave a little money emoji on the bottom of the Instagram post for your little Sunday shout out. Thank you so much. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.